0: Hello and welcome. I'm Cassandra Ray, Spiritual Director of the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock. We are a learning center of practical spirituality. This means that we practice and teach spiritual tools for personal and global transformation. So wherever you are on your path, whether you're soaring or struggling, there's a place for you here. We believe that you're surrounded and supported by an infinite loving presence of power and potential. And I was like, that you are powerful beyond measure and together we awaken to our spiritual magnificence. Yes. Thank you. Our podcast captures a live inspirational message from our gatherings All on Sundays in South Surrey. Enjoy. Is that everything can turn into a talk. <laughs> so beware. <laughs> Will. <laughs> oh, so this last week I was listening to a podcast and I was so moved by it. I thought this. Is demonstrating the power of thought and I have to share about it. It's a podcast called Everything Changes by Kate Bowler and she interviewed Dr. Ari Johnson and Kate Bowler uh, is an historian from Duke Divinity School and she's published a few books and one of them is her memoir about being diagnosed with stage four cancer at the age of 35, which was maybe four or five years ago. She's since published another book since then. And she, she's a fascinating uh, woman and teacher. And um, she teaches actually about, she wrote a book about the prosperity gospel which is like evangelical new thought and she also wrote a book about um, women women celebrity evangelical preachers so she she does some fascinating work and she interviewed uh, dr ari johnson who is a medical doctor who has found co-founded along with molly inns Uh, an organization called Musa, and Musa is on a mission to (laughs) Okay, I didn't write it down. I thought I did. They are on a mission to eradicate child death caused by poverty. Essentially, when children die because they don't have access to health care and they die from things that are easily cured, like we know how to cure them, it's not difficult, but they don't have access to health care. MUSA is all about getting health care where it's needed because children shouldn't die from not getting healthcare. That's what Dr. Ari Johnson talks about. So he works both in the States and in Mali. And when they started working, when Musa started working in Mali, uh, they decided to be in the communities that they wanted to serve. And so they were called to help a child. And when they got there, it was too, late and the child died and they went to the child's funeral and they were heartbroken that they didn't get there in time and not too long after that they were going to funeral after funeral after funeral and they just realized that they were getting there too late and so Musa started thinking about well how how do we get there sooner what would it look like if we could reimagine healthcare delivery and what if we could cure delay these were the questions they started asking and they decided we can think differently about this because no one should die waiting for health care, especially not children. We can think differently. So I want to talk a little bit for a moment about the power of our thinking. And it's a huge part of our belief here. And so last week we talked about God as spirit, mind, and body, and that there's an infinite intelligence operating through a universal mind which manifests as all forms of the physical universe. You have that same power. You are an expression of spirit, and your thoughts operate through a universal mind, which receives the impress of your thoughts and acts upon them. And in short, thoughts are things. And thoughts are how we access this creative power of the universe. It's interesting because we often think about this power on an individual basis. Like I have the power to change my thinking and it'll change my life. And that is absolutely true. And what I want to expand on that today is you actually have the power to think differently to change the life of many. Like this works on the same way the same way that Sherry can change her thinking about herself, we can change our thinking about what we see as possible in the world and what we can do about it. So Musso began thinking differently. And here's what they began to do. They said, okay, delay is the problem here, not getting to them quick enough, so how how are we going to work with that? So they started training people to go out in the community and like knock on doors. How you doing today? Anybody in your family sick? What's going on? So the, the people would go to the houses, find people who were sick, do an assessment. They were licensed to give treatment right there if they knew what it was and they could give a medication or something to help alleviate the illness, they could also assess no, this person needs to be at a hospital, so let's get them there. And then they also put clinics right in the neighborhoods, and then they took away all the copays. No copays. Because they knew that their patients had these barriers to healthcare and that they needed to remove the barriers for them. Now that is like a radical way to think about healthcare, right? Because so often um, the way Dr. Ari Johnson describes it is that healthcare is passive, right? That doctors aren't responsible for you if you don't go to them. But what they began to notice was that the whole system was actually set up and probably not on purpose, but it was set up to exclude poor people. And that wasn't okay for them. They said, no, we're actually responsible for healthcare and we're responsible for getting Getting it to them, so they took responsibility at a different level. They said, "No, we need to be proactive, not passive." You see how this thinking about the entire system created a whole new design on healthcare. That blows my mind. And you want to you know what happened with child death in the places where Muso uh, delivers healthcare? Okay, when they got started, their child death rate, which is like kindergarten age or less, their child death rate was like 15%, which is really high. The cool thing about Muso is that they they measure everything um, so that they can publish results and have them be replicated in other places. And five years after their new healthcare design system, Child death rate went down. Let me make sure I get this right. I wrote this one down. (laughs) It went down to 3%. In five years, they went from 15% to 3%. And after seven years, it went down to less than 1%, which is on par with like the United States. Gives me chills. And so th- what Musso says is that we have the collective power to make this possible for everyone. They're not like coming up with new cures. That's already, that's already been there. They're coming up with ways to get them to the people who need them. And I love this this um, philosophy that Musso lives on, that functions off of is that everybody is called to action. That this is something for everybody to be a part of because everyone belongs to each other because our lives depend on it. In a place like Mali, you can maybe see a little bit more clearly about how deeply we belong to each other and how much we depend on each other but you know, the same is true for us. We are actually so much more connected than we tend to realize. I started to think about this when I was doing the research and writing this talk. I started to you know, think about, well no, I'm just here by myself, in my apartment, doing my thing but I'm surfing the internet, which requires an internet connection, which requires electricity, which requires, what does that require even? The engineers who built it, the company that sold it, the people who maintain it, and oh man, our electricity went off a week ago. Remember we had that storm, I mean that wind, we had these high winds and in our neighborhood a tree came down and knocked down the power for two hours. (laughs) Two hours! (laughs) I took a nap. (laughs) It was on a Sunday afternoon, too, actually. I was like, this is a good time for me to nap. Man, did I feel my connection with people then, right? When I was cut off. And who was out there? Who was out there um, moving the tree, taking the tree, connecting up the wires, putting them back into place? It might have been the person that I, like, judge because they drive a big truck, wasting all that gas, right? But I need that person. You see, it's so easy to imagine that we're, like, doing life on our own. We're not. We're not doing life on our own, even if we're isolated in our own apartment, There are so many ways that we are connected, that we depend on one another. We just happen to live at a time and space where we can kind of turn that awareness off. We don't actually have to be aware of it. But we do belong to one another. We are all neighbors closer than we estimate and one of the things that was said in this podcast was there's a burden placed on all of us to know what our act of service should be. I love that. I love that. There's a burden placed on all of us to know what our act of service should be. We don't have to do everything because, dang it, there's some huge problems in the world right now, and sometimes it can get really overwhelming. Like, ugh, fires in Australia, climate control, planes crashing. We don't have to fix everything, but we can Open our heart to what is specifically ours to do. I thought what was really interesting is in this interview, this conversation, one of the things that was said was we vastly overestimate our own control and we vastly underestimate our power. And I think this is really important for us to think about because sometimes in knowing the power of our thought, we can fall into the illusion that we do have control. Actually, we don't. We don't have control. We do have power. We are living in a benevolent universe. When we embrace our power and begin to recognize, yes, I have the power to make an impact, not just in my life, but in my community or the life of others, there is a responsibility there. And maybe that's why sometimes we don't want to claim our power. Because we don't want that responsibility. But our success isn't the right word, but our thriving, our flourishing, it is connected to everyone. And imagine if your thriving was connected to the ones in the community who thrive the least. How might that impact you if that suffering was your suffering or was your child's suffering or your best friend's suffering? The cool thing about Dr. Ari Johnson, he's a practicing Jew And here's something that he said about what it means to be Jewish. He said that they're mandated to love ourselves, love our neighbors, love strangers, enemies, and all oppressed people. To relive the struggle of slavery so that you can know the souls of the present day oppressed people. That that's a Jewish philosophy to remember their own slavery in Egypt so that they won't leave behind oppressed people today. Now, this is quite different from our new thought philosophy because oftentimes we think, no, 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 no. I cannot look at that. I don't want that, so I can't look at it. I might create that. However, that is fear not being willing to look at something because you're afraid you might create it, that's fear. So when we're in our power with a strong heart, we can look. Why? Because when we're planting seeds of thought for what we want, and it's not showing up, we know that there's simply some underlying hidden belief that is ready to be weeded out. Mm -hmm. This is what happens on an individual basis. Let's think about it just on an individual basis for a moment. This is why we work with practitioners. Because if there's something in my life that I want and I'm not experiencing it, I need someone to hold space for me so that I can begin to feel safe enough to explore what's going on underneath the surface, what's going on unconsciously that I need to address. What maybe have I not felt that I need to clear some space for possibility to move in? This is what happens on an individual basis. This is the inner work of healing. And we must face our life, our hopes, our fears, our emotions, all with an understanding that there is a love and power greater than ourselves that is loving, helping, guiding, and connecting us all together so our faith can enable us to look. Ernest Holmes said, the one practicing must be able to look a fact in the face and know that all manifestations are effects and can be changed by changing the mental cause. This part's not new to new thought, right? We understand mental cause. However, one thing I want to point out to you is that sometimes mental cause is not individual. Sometimes mental cause is from the collective, and then we experience it. So sometimes it's not our fault that we are maybe navigating an experience that we don't like. However, we have choice as to how to move through that experience. You know, in family systems therapy, um, we have something called like the presenting client. There's usually one person in a family that shows up because they're acting out, they've got a problem, and something needs to shift or change. We call them the presenting client because we know that they're simply the one expressing the dysfunction of the system. So a good therapist who's working with a family would never ever blame that presenting client because they would recognize that this client is actually the one strong enough to express the pain, express the dysfunction, to stand up for something new, even if they do it in an unskilled way. You know, Even if they're biting their classmates, or you, you, you know, they're, that is an expression that the system isn't working, and so you address the system. And you know, as the therapist, that the solution lies in everyone making a shift and change, not just the presenting client. Everyone, if if those changes from therapy are going to be sustainable long-term, everyone is shifting and changing together because there is a system that is not supporting the highest and best. I wanna also, ask, you see that, that part's easy enough to like grab, grasp your mind around, right? I want you to also recognize that that family also lives in a system, the culture. That there might be other systems that are impacting that family system. That that family is expressing the pain of that larger system. Just for an example, a family, an indigenous family living on a reservation, they might have a completely different experience than a white family with multi-generational inheritance. They would have a completely different experience. They might have different things that are impacting them because of the systems that they're embedded in. This is so important because Centers for Spiritual Living is on the cutting edge of like entering into social justice work. And this is partly how we do it, how we begin to stand up for people who might be speaking out in ways that you don't like to hear. Or you might say, well, they're a victim, or they're, that's a consciousness that they're creating that problem. However. The times call for us. There's three things that these times are calling for us. This is our work in this process of of honoring a world that works for all, part of our purpose that was on the, the screen earlier today. So, one, our work is to choose to choose the most authentic, empowering thoughts we can. And you can ask yourself, does my thinking empower me? Does it move me toward my desired state of being? If not, what else can I think? What support can I receive? And I want to point out that this is individually and collectively. So what is your collective vision for how you want the larger community to look. And when you're thinking about politics, are you thinking thoughts that move you toward that vision or move you away from them? This is a hard one because I wanna complain. (laughs) I just wanna like bitch and moan right, about the state of affairs, especially in my home country of the US. But there is a creative power of thinking that I can be responsible for helping to create a new reality. The second part of our work is to love yourself, love yourself, and to love all others where they're at. Man, this is like a lifelong lesson for me. But, and here's the process. Letting go of control, embracing your power, taking responsibility, and opening up to love and empathy for yourself and others. And this can often mean listening and understanding the experience of others, and listening from a place of compassion and possibility. Because we do have the collective power to change the systems we live in. We do have the collective power to erase racism, sexism, classism. We have the power we even have the knowing and the know-how. But can we deliver it? Musso shows us that it's possible to change entire systems that change lives. So this third, this third step is to act, recognizing that we belong to each other that our happiness is intrinsically tied to one another's, that my flourishing is tied to you, that your pain is tied to me. Dr. Ari said that more than 10 years ago when he founded Musso, that he had to act because love can't wait. So as you reflect on your community, your country, on the world, you can ask yourself, what is love calling me to do? And listen, choose, love, and act. And so it is. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We're supported 100% by your generous contributions. If you found value in this episode, please give online at csl-whiterock.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter so that you'll be notified of future episodes as well as ways to connect, learn, and grow. Thank you and abundant blessings on your path.